Welcome to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is my beautiful wife, Sarah. Hello. And in this episode, we're going to be story time. Yeah. Yeah. Story time (laughs) with Cody and Sarah on this podcast you're listening to right now. He literally does things like that all day, every day. Not all day, every day, just like most of the day, most of the days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sarah speaks in hyperbole, and I'm a realist. No, I speak in literal terms. Uh, mm -hmm. Very much so. Before we jump into that, (laughs) though. Millennial literal terms. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Just just a big uh, thank you, a shout out to our sponsor, Hint Water. Um, Hint is a flavored water company that comes in still and sparkling versions. We have an entire fridge full of Hint Water. Yes, we do. And it is beautiful. I love it whenever I open my fridge and there's just that uh, myriad of options and colors. Nice colors. If you want to try out Hint Water, you can go to hint.co slash deeply curious. And also this podcast is sponsored by our merch, (laughs) which just recently dropped. You can check that out by going to shop.codyjensen.com. We've got a few different deeply curious... uh, shirts and hoodies on there Mm -hmm. and also um some i guess crossover deeply curious uh to youtube merch as well um that is says love harder because we believe you need to work hard but love harder exactly so uh both of those things help out the show tremendously if you want to check out hint by going to hint.co slash deeply curious or check out our merch at shop.com Deeply curious. No, shop.codyjensen.com. Yes. One day we will have our own domain, but first. Today is not that Today day. is not that day. Okay. Also, do yourself a favor and purchase the Blackberry Hint water. Okay. Just throw that <laughs> out there. It's the best. <laughs> um, yeah. So, story time. Story time. Well, I guess, do you want to intro it? Um, I mean, I went to Africa. <laughs> is that the intro? <laughs> that, that's the end. <laughs> well, I really, I guess I'm just going to be asking you questions about your trip. But like, so you went to Africa for, you were in Africa for two weeks. Correct the mundo. Yeah. So you were in Zimbabwe. Yeah. And Cape Town. Yes. And London for 12 hours. We're ignoring <laughs> that you were in London. I'm not trying to rub it in. I just, oh, okay. I'm a realist. <laughs> And you have to state the facts, and the facts are, I was in London, Mm -hmm. our favorite city. Listen, he was traveling for two weeks, which was already kind of a tough thing for me to swallow. Whenever he got the job, he, um, I came home that day, and he goes, I have some really good news that you're going to have a really hard time being happy about. And I was like, you get to leave, don't you? (laughs) So that's how it went. Um, But then I found out he was going to have a layover in London, and I actually cried about that. Like, because you were in London on Saturday. So I woke up on Saturday morning, and I literally, the first thing I did was, I was like, oh, Cody's in London. And I literally cried. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, it's enough throwing a pity party for yourself. Get up and pretend like he's not there. So I've just erased that whole thing from my memory. Pretty much. Yeah. And by crying because I was in London, what Sarah means is crying because I was gone and she already missed me so much. Right. It had nothing to do with the fact that you were in my favorite city and I wasn't. Right. Yeah. It was just the fact that I was in a different city than the one that you currently 
inhabitate. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Inhabit. Inhabit. Yes. Yeah, inhabit. And then you listen to uh, Laney's "Fly Back to Me" <laughs> all day long. Actually, I think I was so excited because we haven't been apart in nine and a half years. Yeah, let's talk about that. So we've been married for almost ten years now, and for some reason, our life has just like not been apart like Mm -hmm. we've never traveled apart really i mean i think maybe you went to like one conference yeah for like three days a couple conferences like with the church but never but never for more than three nights like yeah and only maybe like twice Mm -hmm. like it wasn't a big deal we've like never been apart and even during the days and not even in the last nine plus years of being married We haven't been apart since we were like 15. Right. Because all of the trips we went on were together. Like our... Except, I mean, I did go on like a family vacation every once in a while, but my family vacations weren't anything big. Right. But for a full two weeks, that is the longest... Right. That's the longest we've ever been apart. We've been apart since we've been together when we were like 15 or 16 years old. You are literally the only person I can handle being around all the time. That's a compliment. Yeah, thank actually. You. That uh, if if you knew Sarah the way I know Sarah, that is actually a really good compliment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do get tired of you, but I can I just need to like go away for a few hours and then I can like resettle myself mm-hmm. and be fine. But there's not very many people in this world who I'm like, "Yeah, I'll spend 10 years with you and never leave your side. That's fine." Not very many people in this world that I could say that about it just the one just the one yeah but anyways so never been apart like ever and so everyone like leading up to your trip was like oh are you gonna miss him and I felt so bad because I was like literally no (laughs) (laughs) like I didn't know how to even be like Oh, yeah. Like, I couldn't fake right. it. Because most of the people that we know and that are friends with and, they, and the people that we're asking right. are like, single people. Yeah. Or, like, or they newly just, married. Yeah. Or they haven't known us very long. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. none of my close friends who know me, they were like, oh, are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what they were asking. But yeah. a lot of people in New York haven't known us very long. And so I just, like, couldn't even pretend like I was going to miss you. And which I know sounds bad, but whatever. I mean... You don't care, so that's no. all that matters. And uh, I was like, no, I'm really excited to have two weeks to myself. <laughs> yeah. and, and actually, my best friend Josh was in Africa with me. Um, and when we were in Cape Town, which is like the last leg of the trip, um, he was asking me about like missing each other and mm-hmm. uh, you missing me. And he was like, do you think Sarah misses you? Or I don't remember the exact question, but I was like, no, I don't. I mean, I don't think she misses mm-hmm. me or whatever. And he's like, I mean, what do you, how do you feel about that? And I was like. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's only two weeks. And I mean, I'm only like just now, like beginning to be like, you know, missing Sarah more. So it's like, I wish Sarah was here experiencing this with me. Right. Than than anything. And he was like, wow, that's like whatever. And I was like, I mean, I would be offended if it had been like two months and she's still like, (laughs) yeah. See, you can stay. <laughs> but I mean, you know, a few yeah. a few weeks, I mean, I'm totally like, whatever. And he was like, he said something, you know, like, that's very uh, confident or secure, you know, secure I, think, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I really should. I mean, yeah. But the thing is, is like when you, I mean, I just, I have 
like given you nine and a half years of not being apart. Mm -hmm. So like two weeks apart is nothing compared to nine and a half years, you know? Right. So yeah, I was Um, really excited about it. Mostly I wish I had been the one who was leaving, honestly. (laughs) Obviously. Um, But I was, I loved coming home to an empty apartment and sleeping in the middle of the bed, (laughs) which is like a big thing for me. I don't, know why like sleeping in the middle of the bed is just perfect i don't stop you from sleeping in the middle, but i, welcome I know you but i don't want anybody touching me because if you were in the middle of the bed that means you're basically cuddling me exactly and, and i don't want that myself and being a love language uh, of physical touch right and 100%. mine percent i'm being, like please sleep in the middle of the bed <laughs> yeah and mine being uh the last love language is physical touch I'm like get away but more than anything, I loved coming home and just watching whatever I wanted without having to be like, hey, what do you want to watch? Or do you think we should watch an episode of this? Or um, do, are you interested in a movie tonight? Like, I didn't have to do that at all. Mm-hmm. And that was so nice. You didn't have to hear me say after you started something, what did you just turn on? Exactly. <laughs> every single, I did a whole Harry Potter marathon. I Because every time I turn or on Harry... Or me saying... Um, are you sure you need to watch another episode of The Office? Exactly. Yes. I watched whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and I didn't have to check in with anybody. And you know what else you did that didn't, I mean, didn't legitimately bother me, but oh. like, did bother me Okay. Um, while I was gone? Just being there and knowing Sarah hasn't put up the Murphy bed one time. Oh, I didn't put it up one time. Like... In two weeks, I didn't put it up. <laughs> I just thinking about no, our actually, apartment. Actually, that's not true because we had a dinner party over oh, here. Yes. So I put it up once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, whenever I'm here, it goes up every single morning. Yeah. Without fail. Oh, and then yeah. any any time that Sarah's left uh, to do that on her own. Don't do it. And so I was just thinking like. Because I don't believe in making your bed. We don't. Okay. Well. It's an argument that we're just always going to have. But I don't believe in making your bed. I think it's the dumbest. I mean, I get how some people need to compartmentalize and like, you know, whatever. And especially in a space like ours where everything is the same room, but like at our house in Tulsa, we slept in the bedroom, we woke up and then we didn't go back into the bedroom until the next night to sleep. Like you never see it. So why spend all of your energy making the bed, just shut the door and you still have a clean space. Um, because I don't believe in making the bed, making your bed, it get, it gets your day started. Not for me though. It's like not you make it and you, you made that accomplishment. Also, I think just like, uh, in, in a upcoming vlog, I don't know if this vlog has come out as of right. Anyways, in a video on our channel that is either out or coming out, <laughs> <laughs> you, you said, uh, something along the lines of you have making decisions today for your future self. Right. And I feel like making your bed is a gift to your future self because getting into your bed, getting into a, a, a nicely made bed for whenever you go to sleep. Again, the sheets are not like not crinkled or anything like that. You just like <laughs> slide in there and the blanket no. is over you. That is so much nicer than than like getting into no. bed with like everything. Just no, a it's not. Yes, it is. No, we firmly disagree on this. Here's the thing. Your bed is going to get unmade every single night when you sleep in it. And... Have the thing. Okay. I'm a little bit weird with the bed anyway, because I sleep on top of the sheets. I don't even the, what is the, 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 not the fitted sheet, but the other sheet. I sleep on top of the top sheet. 
Oh, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. I sleep on top of both of them. Yes. And then I, I bring a different blanket to sleep to, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a weirdo. Very much so. Um, and so I like having the blanket like wrapped around me. So like getting into a nice clean bed is, it's just not a thing for me. Like, you know what you could have instead of a blanket wrapped around you, it, I could be wrapped around you. No. Holding you. Because I don't want and... a person touching me. You know what I want is one of those weighted blankets. I am a weighted blanket. <laughs> I'm a heated weighted blanket. No, I don't want a person. I want a weighted blanket. Oh, silly. Agree to disagree. Anyways, I don't feel like making your bed is as big a deal as all of the experts make it out to be. It has never once helped or hurt me. It is just what it is. So I did not make the bed, which means I did not put the Murphy bed up every single day. Right. So if I were living on my own in New York City, I would have wasted a lot of money on a Murphy bed. That is true. Though I do feel like it's still beneficial when you have people come over. Mm-hmm. You know. You would just live with it until yeah, like, somebody was coming over and then you would like put it up. Right. I liked it when it was up. I was like, oh, floor space. Yeah. But floor I just, space is very important. I just am not. It doesn't affect. Anyways, we got on a long tangent of making the bed. Yeah. Um, Let's get back to Africa. So I was, I was pretending Africa. you weren't in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you went to Africa. So you were in Zimbabwe for eight days. Then that was work time. Yes. So my question is, because I don't feel like Africa has ever been a thing that you and I have discussed really as far as like places to go. Mm-hmm. So what is your, what were your initial feelings about Africa? Um, well, I mean, I don't think you can ask, I don't think it's fair to say what were your thoughts on Africa? Well, not on Zimbabwe. Be- yeah, because, Sorry. because Africa is massive right. and there's so many different places in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's essentially like, it, that would be like going to Mexico city and saying like, how'd you like America? And so it's like, Mexico can, city. Yeah. Cause it's in America. It's in North America. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, like people, right. Like it's one big America. Um, we just happen to like just the United States of America. We tend to steal the, uh, continent. We are America. Yes. Yeah. Um, national. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, but anyways, <laughs> off on another tangent. Yeah. Um, okay, so what Zimbabwe. are your initial th- thoughts about... Did you have any, like, expectations, I guess? Well, I mean, I had a little bit of expectation just because the people that were bringing me there had, like... We had had conversations about Zimbabwe and kind of, like, the political, uh, I guess... Unrest. I know, unrest, yeah, that, that, that they're in. And, like, they're in a they're in a election season, and so, like, the... The people, the person that's in power right now is like really trying to protect that because he got the power through a coup of overthrowing the, the previous president. Very and dramatic. he, you know, is actually hold he's holding an election to make him fairly the president. Mm-hmm. Um, but he very much so wants to be the president. And so he's using every resource at his disposal to make sure that he is elected president. So not very fair. Long thing. So I talked to a lot of Zimbabweans about that, about the, the, I mean, it's basically like, you know, whenever the uh, Trump Hillary, like, you know, November Mm -hmm. election was, you know, that basically six months leading up to that, anybody who talked to any American, that is like going to be part of the conversation because it's such a forefront thing. So because that's the season that they were in, a lot of these Zimbabweans that I was talking to, we would talk about the election and politics and like whether like, you know, they think that 
Robert Mugabe was like, you know, good or bad or if it's better now. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's so nuanced and like all that type of stuff. So that was that was actually really interesting because, I mean, I didn't know anything about Robert Mugabe going into it. I mean, and, and most people don't. Maybe explain just like one or two sentences of who he is. Uh, I mean, the I just know basically what the people told me. And then I read like his Wikipedia, you know, some entries of like learning. So I'm not like an expert by any means. Right. But essentially, like he was um, elected president, but there either isn't term limits in Zimbabwe or he got rid of them and was in, ended up being in power for many, many, many years, a um, couple decades. I don't remember exactly how long, but, mm-hmm. um, so I'm trying to think of how to succinctly say this. Basically, um, Zimbabwe used to be under UK rule. They were a, British. a, a British territory. They won their independence and Robert Mugabe had a, uh, African nationalist agenda of getting rid of all Europeanism, mm-hmm. um, you know, that the, the UK had brought in through their years of rule. And they also had a massive, um, it, during that time, whether it was led by Robert Mugabe or not, they had a huge period of, um, I guess, like Zimbabweans, like actual Zimbabweans, um, taking back farms and land that were white owned. And so it was basically... Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, land, I can't remember the exact word, but yeah. re- land reclaiming is what it was. Yeah. But it's, but anyways, black Zimbabweans were going to white, uh, I mean, they were Zimbabweans, farm. like, yeah. you know, cause they, they lived there, they were citizens. They were going to the white Zimbabweans, uh, farms and murdering people mm-hmm. and taking the farms and like all this stuff. Um, I, that's essentially all I know on that, um. Like there's, there's a lot of information. Like, I mean, like I said, before I went to, went to Zimbabwe, I didn't know anything, Mm -hmm. um, about it. So just learning all of that type of stuff was very interesting in Cape Town too, right? Yes. And that is starting to happen in South Africa now. And basically Zimbabwe was one of the, um, most prosperous, uh, African countries, nations, um, up until the, transition of power from the UK to Robert Mugabe and through his rule he took it uh, basically collapsed the economy yeah if you remember a few years ago um there was like news stories about Zimbabwe going around because they had printed a like one or two like trillion dollar bill i think i do remember um, that because it became like a souvenir item like people wanted to like buy this because it was an actual piece of legal tender that said like two trillion dollars yeah because that's how far the economy had fell Um, like one dollar one u.s dollar was like two trillion there or something yeah i mean like you 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 they had to print those so that people didn't have to carry literal wheelbarrows worth of money to buy a bag of groceries um and so all that happened, and then um, political corruption was, like, a huge topic of conversation with, like, everybody mm-hmm. that I've talked to, just how much corruption there was, talking about how how terrible the roads are, but there's actual money that is going into the city to fix the roads, but nothing is ever done because that money ends up going places. Well, who knows where. <laughs> um, the, they had a, a ton of money come in, 
um, from basically like the, this is probably wrong, but the UN or some sort of like refugee resettlement uh, Mm -hmm. organization ended up giving millions of dollars to Zimbabwe because they actually had um, a lot of other African African nation uh, people who were refugees from those nations and Zimbabwe took them in and they said, hey, we need this money to take care of these refugees. Well, they're under like, they got cut off and they got put under investigation or something or other because, I mean, they gave them millions of dollars. That millions of dollars was nowhere to be found. Like somebody in the government like just took it. So like tons and tons and tons of stuff like that. Um, speaking of roads, though, this is a really funny story. I, like three people in Zimbabwe told me this. Um, <laughs> because the roads are so bad, um, I mean... Potholes. Potholes and, and pot. I mean, it's basically like dirt roads would probably be better than, yeah, than, the, the, than, the, than the paved roads that they had because they were so full of potholes that everybody is just swerving everywhere. Like you're <laughs> you're going, you know, you're on your side of the road. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like a hundred yards in front of you, the car in the other lane just swerves right into right in front of you, and then swerves back over before they get, <laughs> before they hit you because they're avoiding a pothole. And like three Zimbabweans told me, they said uh, in Zimbabwe um, or in America, you, you you know you get pulled over and, and they know that they uh, suspect you of being a drunk driver. Um, you know if you're swerving all over the road, but in Zimbabwe they pull you over for going straight. <laughs> Because if you're going straight, you're probably drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not missing any of the potholes. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyways, I mean, th- so like that type of stuff was very in- interesting, like learning all of like the political stuff. I was like asking everybody any question, mm-hmm. like I w- tons of questions. I was yeah. learning as much as I could. And it was also fascinating. Um, but as far as my impressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my- what did you, did you spend time in the capital city? Uh, we drove literally drove through it. Like, oh, okay. Um, so it's Harare is the capital city of Zimbabwe, and we just like there was one night that one of the pastors, what that was with the team of people that had hired me, was taking them to go like shopping, and I went with them just so I could see Harare. And I mean, the city itself is like it doesn't look any different than. I don't know, like a small downtown, you know, metropolis area necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, other than it, it kind of has the feel of like, I mean, Cuba is what I thought of. I've never been to Cuba, but that's kind of the feel that I felt like, um, I don't know, just like the architecture mm-hmm. and then mostly, uh, I don't know if this relates to Cuba, but just like there, it seemed like a lawless land. Like it's like this city was built and there's actual roads, there's actual crosswalks, you know, all this type of stuff, but you're driving and there are just cars and people going whichever direction they please. Yeah. Like just like in New York, you know, people walk out, you know, they jaywalk and stuff like that. And, but it's different. Like people like one, one or two people may like run across the road and like jaywalk or something. I But there it was like, there was no even regard for traffic traffic or streets or crosswalks or anything there was just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just walking in wherever hmm. um but what was also interesting about zimbabwe is you never heard anybody honking they just drove and huh. i mentioned that to somebody i was like it's interesting that like 
you, nobody's honking at each other and they they uh they're like yeah i mean there's no point i mean people just know just like get out of the way like <laughs> it's like crazy um uh. as far as i mean so i don't know i mean like it was i feel like zimbabwe or at least harari mm-hmm. it was a little disappointing in the fact that it wasn't otherworldly okay um just like like the culture wasn't so shocking right yeah it wasn't like a huge shock like to you know seeing like the buildings or seeing the way they live life i mean it was like it was just farms like there was farms and then then there was downtown and Mm -hmm. like everything ran like a western you know type place you you go into a shop and you pick something up and you buy it because it was a british territory i mean probably yeah um so like there wasn't like a whole lot of, of like culture shock you know yeah versus like if you were there are some places in africa that are like that um i love culture and, shock and like you know in asian cultures and things that like it's it it feels so foreign and so different but it it really i don't know it felt pretty regular like it just yeah. felt like a really poor regular okay see that's interesting because my like I said, I've never really, like, considered Africa, like, in, like, oh, I want to go there someday. Like, it's just not, like, like African countries have never been high on my list. Um, so I've never really considered Africa. But, like, when I think of it, I think of it like, oh, it's not, like, Western at all. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I think, but I don't think that. Yeah. It, yeah, it was, that was a little interesting. Um like just just expecting it like africa yeah like safari or something but it's (laughs) it's not i mean there are safari lands like right in zimbabwe but like really northern zimbabwe i actually asked somebody about that how like what animals are around here and they were like i mean there really isn't i mean dogs cats you know normal stuff Mm. because of the nation being so poor that any animals that were around were killed and eaten um, and so like now there's like protected areas and then there's like actual safari land like up north. But as far as like where the big metropolis area is, is like there, yeah, there's nothing around here anymore. But do they have, they don't have any like food shortages? I, I or don't, don't know. You don't know? Don't know the answer. Cause yeah. I hadn't even considered that. I mean, obviously we've had like a couple of conversations like this, but the idea of like all of the political situation, like causing Obviously, like, all of the political things causing, like, economic struggles, but mm-hmm. I never thought about, like, food shortages. I'm sure there was. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, the the area that I was in was very poor. Right. And they were, you know, hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, they fortunately were not, I don't think, at the level of starving. Yeah. Um, because they were able to farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, like farm it may makes it sound grandiose right um, I guess. they had a garden right <laughs> where they could grow they were food. able to grow things yeah. and they were like um one of the things that they they ate a lot of um is this stuff called satsa and it is like i'm not pretty sure exactly how it's prepared but essentially you dry corn um, and then after the corn has been dried out in the sun for a couple of weeks, you take all the kernels and then you grind that up into, 
uh, like cornmeal basically powder. just into powder then they mix that powder with water and and stuff and it makes like this like oatmeal-y type thing it's pretty thick right? very thick i'm pretty sure we had that when we went to peru hmm. remember yeah. yeah and i was so grossed out by it because um i stuck my spoon in it and it um it didn't break the surface yeah <laughs> If you if you watch my uh, Zimbabwe documentary, yeah, both there's I think there's two cooking scenes, um, and both of those women are are making satsa. That's exactly yeah. what, is uh, it, what they're making. Is it um? Can you kind of like flavor it however you want? Like, I don't know. I oh, mean, okay. it, I I think you can if you have the option, but like because mm. one of them, most of it is like a white looking stuff i mean look kind of looks like oatmeal mm-hmm. um, but then one of the ladies was making it and it was completely green so she put something in it huh. i don't know what it was do they i mean did you notice like when they make meals do they have like meat often or not not yeah. hardly at all um so i didn't i didn't, didn't see any meat the okay. whole time but there were some people there that owned uh chickens oh okay um and so, so they at least have eggs. They, yeah, right? eggs. Yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> and then uh, they they do eat the chickens, but I think that's like, you know, yeah, not like regularly. Yeah, right. Because yeah, you only have so many chickens. I actually asked about that because they're they're. I mean, they they were they are free range chickens. Like yeah, I mean it's you know they just Run are around. out. And I was asking somebody, I was like, what well, do people ever like? steal each other's chicken like if your chicken like wanders off like and goes somewhere somebody like just take it and yeah. eat it and they're like no i mean not really like these people live in like this pretty tight community like if you were to do that you it'd be very hard to hide it mm-hmm. somebody would see somebody would tell oh, you're cooking meat over yeah. there <laughs> yeah and so like it, it would be dealt with <laughs> <laughs> um so how far outside of the city was the village that you were working in uh i think it it's like just a few miles oh, okay so it's not that far yeah not far at all interesting um and then okay so explain the um you were working in uh like the government-owned land where yeah. people just squat there but then there's another area that's like privately owned that people can purchase right so like um so I kind of I touched on this in the Zimbabwe documentary of just how there are there's parts of the land that is just like it's just land like you know land that is not privately owned is owned by the government so it's just like it's land um, mm-hmm. and people have come in and like squatted there and you know basically the government is essentially just like ignores it mm-hmm. I mean what are they gonna do I mean it's not like they're needing the land for something um, and so. Anyways, but then there is like privately owned land very, very close to it. I'm like a stone's throw Mm -hmm. um, and that land is privately owned. And some of the people in that like very poor um, area have like worked their way up through either selling produce or, you know, something that they learned to make or, you know, whatever it is and saved up around like $300 USD to put down a down payment on this land. And once they do that, um, then they can start building on the land with an agreement that they pay, you know, $30 a month or whatever it is. I don't know exactly the price, Mm -hmm. but, um, 
essentially they put their down payment on their mortgage. Right. Is what like until they and mo- most of the, the plots, you know, cost around like three thousand dollars USD. Uh, that is just for the land and they can build and do whatever they want on it. Um, so, so people normally build like more permanent structures. Yeah. They were all like, most of them were wood, um, like, uh, like slats, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there were a few people who had built actual brick, like little hut things. Um, I mean, smaller than our 300 square foot apartment. Um, like they were really small, uh, maybe broken up into two rooms. Um, but yeah, little, like little brick houses. Um, so, okay. In Zimbabwe, cause I want to talk about Cape Town too, cause mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating. Um, in Zimbabwe, what was like your favorite? I mean, I think probably just the people, but mm-hmm. like kind of explain like wh- what, maybe what you were most surprised by or like what, like, or like if somebody is like, huh, Zimbabwe, I've never thought about that. Like, what are the things that you would say? Well, I don't think that's, I don't think I can actually answer that because I spent the entire eight days in the, in this one, mm-hmm. one little tiny, very, very, very poor, yeah. um, you know, grass hut village. And like I said, there was one day that we drove into the actual city and that was like, I mean, literally drove through downtown and then mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't even get out of the car. So, like, I haven't experienced Zimbabwe in any form or fashion. Okay. Um, but there is this thing called Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe that they were telling me about that I had never heard of, but apparently are, like, world famous. And, like, they they were Zimbabwean, so they could be... I've looked at pictures, but, they you know, <laughs> they were telling me about it, and they were like, they are bigger... And better than uh, Niagara. Niagara Falls, and uh, from the I, I can't confirm that stat, but I can confirm from the photos I saw they look huge. Really, and so it's like a destination, which is so interesting because when I think of Africa, I think of like orange, brown, dirt. Yeah, you know. But yeah, that, again though, it's like think about how much you know, variety of nature right. there is between Canada yeah, all the way down to the you know bottom of Mexico. Yeah. How many mountain ranges, how many like, you know, it's glaciers just, and inter- lakes yeah. and like there's so much. It's just interesting the like notions you like just kind of assume in your head mm-hmm. or like maybe because I mean, I wouldn't say I was, like, super educated on Africa in school or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, we learned that it was Africa, you know. Oh, safaris are there, that kind of thing. So, like, Poverty and safaris is, like, what you learn. Yeah. You have this, like, idea in your head, but it's, it can be such, just as, I mean, it is just as interesting as anywhere else. Like, Mm -hmm. especially any other Western area. Like. It definitely made me want to go back. Yeah. Like, even though I spent the whole time, like, in that you know, one little place, like hearing all the different things and like, um, like it made me even want to go back to Zimbabwe Mm -hmm. and like, you know, do like a tour of like the fun, like things that you can do and like the, the more, you know, nature stuff and the Victoria Falls and, you know, the whatever, like Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of really like awesome stuff that you can like experience, I guess, as like a, 
as like a vacation or a tourist or something. Yeah. But I also, I really am thankful and love that I got to be like, not do that stuff mm-hmm. and like learn and, and, and meet like all these just like people that yeah. are just living their life and like talk to them like that is really, I mean, I or I will remember that as much as if I would have like gone ziplining and right. like saw the falls and like, all I that think stuff. that's like a common, um, I don't know if it's a common thing that happened. Uh, anyway, I feel like, you know, in America, like we're very obviously privileged here and like not just privileged to live where we live and like, or be able to afford to live, you know, anywhere in America. Like if you own a car or two cars or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you're in the top 2% of the richest people in the world. That's literally like everybody in America. Right. It's you like, know, if like, it's, it's like if you make 30 or $40,000 a year, like yeah. you're in the top 2% of the entire world. Which is wild. Mm-hmm. Insane. Like we're, we're wildly privileged. Um, I, and I know it comes with its hardships too, but you know, we're privileged and also privileged to be able to say like, oh, I want to go travel to Africa mm-hmm. soon. You know, like just the privilege of being able to say like, I want to travel or I can't wait to travel to this place is right. insane. And we take it for granted. Um, but I think like, you know, whenever you say like, oh, I want to travel to this place, you automatically think of like, oh, what do I get to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the fun things that I get to experience? I mean, I do it too. I'm like constantly thinking about the things that I get to experience. But really, the huge impact of travel is like learning cultures mm-hmm. and like seeing everyday life and how people live. And that's what actually impacts you. That's what grows you as a person. That's why travel is important. You know, it's not so that you can go zip lining through Costa Rica, even though I really want to do that. Right. Like it's about like the people that you're going to meet yeah. and like the cultures you're going to learn. Right. It's like, if I just went to Zimbabwe and like I did a safari tour and like, mm-hmm. you know, we did all these like cool stuff, I would have come back saying Zimbabwe is a, you know, beautiful country or whatever. Right. Like, and you know, that's it. Yeah. You know, I mean, like that, that's the experience I would have had. Right. But I had a much richer experience of learning now of this and like without even without studying anything, just from talking to people, learning this like very rich and like hard history. Complicated. Like complicated history, like of of this little piece of the world that nobody really talks about outside of maybe you know, that area. Mm -hmm. Well what should I say is nobody really talks about in America. Yeah. Um in the United States of America. See, we did it yeah. again. <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, I, I just, like, learning about that actual, like, culture as a whole. Just, I mean, even though I only even now know a small little bit of their experience, a small little bit of their, you know, history and knowledge right. and stuff like that. But I know, I know something. I know something right. more. I am now more educated than I was before. Yeah. And I can look at the world. I can look at Zimbabwe. I can look at where we are in just, I mean, even if it's just a little tweak or a little bit different, it's different. A miniature shift in your perspective or your mindset does a world Mm -hmm. of difference. And I think that's like one of the bigger takeaways, like in a lot of the comments on the Zimbabwe video were like, this just makes me think about, you know, like what I care about, Yeah, you know, because like, these people, they don't have time to think about much else other than making, you know, getting food 
Right. How am I going to survive today? Like, how am I? I need, I need to get water. I need yeah. to get food and I need to try to make a little bit of money so I can buy get food tomorrow, you know, a little <laughs> bit of food or I can buy, you know, a little something, you know, yeah. for my shelter or whatever it is. Like there's not much outside of survival that they get to think about. Right. Yeah, it's true. And it's it's just shocking. It just, it just it really helps me, I guess, like shift my perspective back to like what really matters, right? Which is people. Um, and like, I was shocked to learn as you were like creating the Zimbabwe film, um, we were like doing a bunch of research and I didn't know, well, I knew nothing about Zimbabwe and I didn't, I'm huge. I, I very, feel very strongly about the refugee crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had no idea that what was it? 25% of Zimbabwe's population mm-hmm. have fled as refugees. Yeah. Well, fled as immigrants or refugees. Yeah. 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 This is like over 3 million people or mm-hmm. something. That's a shocking number. 25% yeah. of an entire country. Like I had no idea. Yeah. And that's something I feel like you should be aware of. And it's, it's crazy that as Americans, I feel probably as westernized, you know, people, but I can speak for America. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States of America. The United States of America. <laughs> yeah. it, we have so much information at our disposal, but it is so hard to find information like that. Mm-hmm. Like how I don't, I don't know. It just, it makes me want to, I don't know, post signs on my <laughs> walls that are like, look up information about another country today. Like, right. don't worry about your own tiny petty problems. Mm-hmm. There's so much more happening that, that you can do something about, you right. know? I don't know. Yeah. I think that's the biggest perspective that, you know, getting to do these kinds of things mm-hmm. gives you. Yeah. I mean, the, the, in what context would I have just like stumbled upon this? Right. You know? Right. It, because we don't seek it out. Right. We have so much information, but we don't, we don't, seek it out. And I also feel like I don't seek out information because it's hard for me to tell what's like, you know, true or legit Mm -hmm. or what's not skewed and biased and whatever. So it makes me want to kind of just like forget everything. Um, but it's just, it's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, other than being in Zimbabwe, I do have a few different like, uh, in my travels, yeah, on multiple plane rides, yes, I have some, I not maybe not wild, but some funny, I mean, pretty crazy, yeah, funny stories, <laughs> yeah. But before I get into the plane stories, yeah, um, just a reminder that this podcast is sponsored by our new merch, which you can check out by going to shop.kudajensen.com. Okay, so airplane stories, yes, tell me all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm trying to think of which what what in chronological order which one happened first. Um, so I think the first one that's the lightest story is uh, I I don't remember it was like one of my um, like I think on the way to Zimbabwe that I got um, on to my seat mm-hmm. and there was. Um, this Indian guy who, you know, he was like in the full, like long shirt um, mm-hmm. with his shoes off. And I was like, oh, good. He has his shoes off. I can take mine off and not like feel, <laughs> not feel weird, like taking my shoes off next to somebody. Uh-huh. Uh, so like I kicked my shoes off and we were just sitting there. Um, and he's like an older 
guy. Um, I mean, I don't know exactly. I, I can't, it'd be hard to like guess how old he is, but mm-hmm. I mean, mid life, like he wasn't like, um, elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just like sitting there and we like, we, he doesn't really like speak, um, English. I don't think because he like, we were talking about the TV and I was like helping him with the remote or something. Yeah. Um, anyways, it's a, it's a, uh, overnight flight. Right. And, uh, I'm sitting there like watching my movie. Um, and he, all of a sudden, like he starts drifting, um, over to my shoulder and he, his head like makes it over to my shoulder and like uh-huh. he's now he's like laying on my shoulder. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, I push him like uh-huh. back over into his seat. Um, what do you do in those situations? I know. <laughs> I like, I push him back over into his seat and like he kind of stirs or whatever. And, um, and then he kind of like, you know, the, the motion uh, of getting cozy. Yeah. You know, like the, uh, yeah. yeah. And then, and he like gets a little cozy and then he leans right back over on me. <laughs> Was he still, and he wasn't asleep? He, he, like, he wasn't aware. Like, of what was happening. Yeah, he was, okay. like, in that, that daze, you yeah. know. And so, like, he lays back over, and I, I like, push him. Mm-hmm. And he's, and I'm, like, pushing hard, and he's, like, leaning full, like, fully against me. And so I'm, like, pushing him, like, like, Dude. shaking him. <laughs> and finally, he, like, he kind of wakes up, and he kind of looks at me, and then I, like, you know, make the, uh, I guess the gesture, like, you're laying on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He like kind of, <laughs> uh, he he kind of stirs a little bit and then kind of leans back and then like not even ten seconds later, he does the full on cozy like getting cozy. Mm-hmm. He 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 slouches back um, and then he lays over like he's gonna lay his head on my lap, like he's he's not aware of what he like he's doing <laughs> like he like this is. You know, like, I don't, he's definitely not awake. He's like, yeah, ju- in the dream yeah, state. Yeah, in the dream state. And like, he curls up like fetal position and lays his head in my lap. <laughs> and I'm like pushing him, like, no, 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 no. That's not happening. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> so I like, I push him like way over. And then finally, like, he, you know, sits back up and like, uh, goes to sleep and he didn't like try that again. Um, but like full on fetal position laying in my lap <laughs> and like an older guy. Oh, that's so funny. I don't ever know what to do in those situations. Cause you don't want to be rude. Like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Probably he, the laugh he probably, seems a little much, but he probably had no idea what was he actually definitely, happening. I mean, he, right? he has probably has no memory of it. Yeah. So you don't want to be rude, but also like personal space, dude. Like we're in an airplane. Right. I need as much space as I can it's get. It's like it's like we land and then he, we, we're like getting up, and I'm like, hey, remember that one time whenever you curled laid up in a ball lap. and laid on my lap? <laughs> <laughs> I always kind of do the whole like. Right. <laughs> so the, maybe they'll the, just like yeah. jerk their head and yeah. that like just move your shoulder a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. usually what I do because I'm hoping they'll just like jerk their head. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a. Uh, it was a full-on battle with this sleeping guy. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, so that was that was on the one of the first legs of the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, then on a in the on the next leg of the trip, uh, I was walking down the jump bridge. Um, well, first I was just waiting in the terminal, mm-hmm. and these two Russian guys walk up behind me 
and they're like talking really loudly to each other in Russian. Um, and so like, not only are they talking really loudly behind me, I can't even understand what they're saying to like, mm-hmm. at least maybe enjoy their conversation. Yeah. Um, eavesdrop a little. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking super loudly and they smell, um, like alcohol. Like they had obviously been at the bar mm-hmm. drinking cause they, I mean, they, it was like that spoiled, like been drinking for a while. Like stale yes. kind of, yeah. Um, and so they smell bad, um, and they were they were talking to each other really loudly, and then we start walking, and we're like kind of making our way down the down the jump bridge, and but it's like a long line, so it's not like just a you know walk straight to the airplane, and we're like waiting. And every single time we stopped, this guy, one of the guys, runs into me. Like I stop, he hits my backpack, uh-huh. and I'm like, "You do that one more time." <laughs> We're going to have some issues. And so, like, I, like, I turn and I kind of go, like, to, I basically get get to the side mm-hmm. of the person in front of me. Instead of walking in a single file, I just, like, walk beside them because I'm like, yeah. quit hitting me. Yeah. He does it still. <laughs> he moves, like, I don't even know. Like, I move to the side and he still goes right behind me. And every time we stop, dunk, right into me. Oh, like, that is so... And then it wasn't like hit me and then backs up. It's like right. he hits me and stands right behind me. I am... Like, there are not a lot of things that get me immediately angry, you know? But somebody who is not aware of personal space, I could just punch them in the face. Like, there's something, especially when you're in a line, like, especially mm. when they're standing behind you, because you, like, you you can't move and you feel like you're just, like, crowding in on yourself, you know? Yeah. Ooh, there are a few things that get me so furious. So we're getting on the plane. That keeps happening. They're annoying me. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, where you're waiting in line for like 10 minutes or whatever. So that keeps happening. And I'm in my head. I'm thinking, these guys are going to sit next to me. Like, you know, we have assigned seats. But I was like, I'm so annoyed right now that the universe is going to sit these guys (laughs) next to me. That's the the way. And the universe is like, all right. So I get to my seat. There's nobody sits next to me. I'm like, I'm in a, I'm in the middle of the plane, in a big plane. So four seats across um, on, on the plane. That's always the worst. And so I, I'm, I'm on the aisle. There's three seats next to me and everybody's on the plane. Nobody is sitting next to me. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Um, So I like set my bags down, like on the seat. And I'm like, ooh. Thank you, universe. Well, these two guys, they decide oh, well, this plane isn't full, so we're going to go sit wherever we darn this please. And where do they choose to sit? In my empty row. <laughs> luckily, they, very luckily, they yeah. left the one seat, um, you know, between yeah. us. But they sat over there, and I can still smell the alcohol even a seat away. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, we, we shared the empty seat for our bags, you know, for our, our snacks mm-hmm. and things, you know, like general civil, courtesy civil you know, people we'll, we'll sh- nobody's in here we can share it as yeah. for like our little snack holder well um one of the guys was either significantly drunker or a different type of drunk yeah um and they're like again talking really loudly and this is an overnight flight as well and we it's like in the middle of the night and the guy on the opposite aisle seat, he's like being the loudest and he is kicking 
and hitting the seat in front of him. Oh, like, mm. like every, like he's basically, so picture, like he's basically uh, appears restless. Like mm-hmm. he's just restless. He's like rocking back and forth and, um, he's like, you know, tired. And so he's laying his head on the seat in front of him, but then he's putting his hands up over his head. Um, putting them on the seat in front of him and then laying his, you know, forehead on like his, right. his wrist. Um, but he's not doing it gently. Right. Um, and the guy, behind, you know, sitting in that seat keeps like looking behind, like, dude, like stop. You have your own seat. <laughs> then he's doing that so aggressively, you know, cause it's like, it's basically like he's frustrated that he can't fall asleep, whatever. So he's like taking his frustration out on this guy's seat. Yeah. Um, but he's like so aggressively moving and he flops his hand not onto the seat, but over onto the guy's head. Literally has his hand on this guy's head. Oh my gosh. Um, and the guy like pushes his hand off, like, stop touching me. Yeah. So that's happening. And then, um, you know, maybe an hour or hours, I don't know. It's, it's a, t- a really long flight. Um, so I don't know how much time goes by. But then he starts like talking to the person across the aisle on, on his other side in Russian. And they're like, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I can't speak their language. Um, but the guy that was one row up on the aisle, um, he starts like, he reaches up, starts like tapping him, like trying to say something to him, saying things in Russian. And the guy's like, I don't, I don't speak. Like he didn't even speak English that well. This guy was Mm -hmm. like, I don't remember what, what language he said that he spoke, but he spoke English and this other language as, as, as mother tongue. And he's like trying to not, I can tell He's like trying to not escalate anything, right. not like you know, right? Because they're very obviously drunk. Yeah. You have no idea how they're going to react, right? And yeah. we're on a plane, and you're on a plane, and so yeah. like he's like he's being very gracious, mm-hmm. and like you know, I don't know what you're saying. He actually got up one time and like went back to his seat and kind of crouched down and like, w- like what are you trying to tell me? Um, and then thank God for people like that. Yeah, I don't have. That he goes. He goes back me. back to his, he goes back to his seat, and the guy starts tapping on him again like you know reaching up over an mm-hmm. aisle over one row up yeah is, you know hitting this guy like he's tapping him like aggressively and he like turns around and the guy holds out his hand like to shake his hand so he uh the guy in the seat he shakes his hand and the russian guy does the trump move Oof. and he he pulls him literally pulls him out of his seat Back that is to him. Such an aggressive. And he, he has he has a hold of him, and they're. I mean, they are like almost nose to nose, and he's looking at him, staring at him, and like he says something. He's like, "I don't know what you're saying," um, and so he lets him go, and uh, then like I don't know, some time passes, and I'm like watching this, like fi- trying to figure out what I am going to do. Like right. this shouldn't be happening. Like and, what can I do and, about this? Right. Yeah. And no, like uh, stewardess has has seen it yet no mm-hmm. no no flight attendant has seen has seen it yet um and the he so that a little bit of time goes by and i now see um the one of the guys i pull out of his backpack a massive bottle of vodka oh my god and they both just take a few chugs of it and i guess i should also mention they've been serving these guys wine the whole time like every time the the cart comes by they get two bottles, you know, oh, airplane, right. they're, they're the yeah, little airplane bottles of wine. Single use, yeah. yeah. So basically one glass of wine. But every time they go by, they each get two glasses. Oh and then God. they're chugging this vodka that they had brought onto the plane. And so after I saw him, like, drink the vodka, I was like, okay, this is, like... Too much. Too much. 
And so the next time that he starts tapping on the guy, I buzz the flight attendant and it takes him a minute to get to me. But, uh, he, they, uh, the first one, the first flight attendant that reached me, like comes over. And the moment that she reaches me, he's like doing like he's like ha- talking to this guy and like being aggressive so she doesn't even like address me right and she's like is just watching which is like the whole point of right. anything yeah you know? and she's like watching and like trying to figure out what's going on and then like the guy like goes back to his his seat or whatever and and then she like looks at me and she's like sorry what did you need sir and i was like that <laughs> um, like that is how ha- like th- these guys are drunk and um and i was like uh, I actually didn't tell her about the vodka that I like that time. Um, and then he did something else again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, she comes back and, uh, she's like, what did you see or whatever? And I was like, well, one, he has a huge bottle of vodka he's drinking. And she's like, why didn't you tell us that the first time? That That's like crazy. Um, and I was like, sorry. And then while, uh, she was talking to me, the guy starts literally hitting and shaking the seat in front of him. Like, like punching it and shaking it. And I was like, this, like, this is it. This is what is happening. Um, and she, that, and then they had like, um, they, she's like, okay. And she goes and tells, you know, another flight attendant. And then there's like two of them kind of standing a little bit behind me, just kind of keeping their eye on him. Mm -hmm. And then this, this other, uh, guy comes up, another flight attendant and he's, he asked me, like, okay, what, what's going on here? Like, tell me, like, whatever. While I am telling him this, the guy reaches up and does the handshake thing again. To pulls, the other guy? Right. Okay. Pulls the same guy yeah. back and then has a hold of, like, the scruff of his neck <gasps> Oof. and has his face right next to him. And I was like, I mean, basically, this is what has happened. Like, why, why are yeah. you guys just standing around? Like, this is what is happening. Um, and then... He like stands up and he was like, you, like, sirs, like, are you, you know, you okay? And the, the other guy like played off like, no, like right. everything's fine. Right. I'm like, why are you saying everything's fine? This guy has been harassing you for like the last right. hour but or more. Justifiably so. The guy is extremely drunk. Yeah. Right. And obviously an aggressive drunk. Maybe not like, I don't know, but he's obviously an aggressive drunk. Yes. And so like, you don't want to be like, yeah, this dude, right? right. He'd punch you in the face. And then like the flight attendants keep coming by. Um, and he like keeps saying things to them in Russian and all of them keep saying, I'm sorry, sir. We, I do not speak Russian. Mm -hmm. And he, if this, this should not surprise you at all. (laughs) The thing that he keeps, uh, saying to them after he says, we, you know, I don't speak Russian. He keeps going, Russia, Russia, (laughs) like like yelling Russia. Obviously that was a terrible Russian accent, but like, he was like in a very thick, heavy Russian accent. He was like yelling. It, It basically like, you know, somebody from the States, you know, like, USA, America, like, sorry, sir, you know, saying like, sorry, sir, I don't speak English, you know, because you're on international flight or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, USA, USA. You're like, okay, okay. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Anyways, nothing really happened other than that. Like he was just being belligerent, like the whole time. Finally, so finally, he like knocks out and like falls asleep. Just get a couple um, more vodkas in him, you know? Yeah, and, and then he, like, slept through the rest of the flight, and, the, you know, they kept an eye on him or whatever. And they definitely, they cut him off of, you know, yeah. alcohol. What? Um, I wonder what happens but, in the case that a person is, like, belligerent and aggressive. Like, I mean, when you think about flight attendants, like, what what can they actually do? Well, I mean, I think I think on a U.S.-based airplane, there is a uh, marshal. Yes. Like, on the plane. I, but, uh, I mean, But maybe. I don't know on... 
I don't know about international flights if they all have like the same kind of thing of because we weren't flying to or from the states at that point. Right. So I don't know if they had like a what, flight marshal. Was that what they call him? Um, yeah. You know, an, a a uh, cop. You know, a right. police officer who you know is on the plane. Like I don't know. Like I'd, interesting. I would assume there's somebody whose job it is to like detain. Yeah. Somebody. Keep the citizens safe. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, he, he fell asleep, and then we landed, and they walked off like nothing ever happened. And I was like... He probably doesn't remember any of that. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, man, that was such a great flight. But what's crazy, yes, I got to... I had to sit next to him, but I actually got the... Besides, you know, everybody else on the plane, I got the best end of that deal. Yeah. Because I wasn't the guy in front of him that he was like... Right. Kicking and... Or the know, guy he was... Hitting his seat, or the guy he was like manhandling yeah like geez crazy so that happened yeah but that's not even the uh most exciting story that happened (laughs) on a plane okay what's the most exciting most exciting one was on my plane back to new york so we uh been to cape town flying from dubai Mm -hmm. um i've actually been to dubai now um only a few hours in the airport but isn't that crazy to think about like i this in this world, like I have been to Dubai, like, and I'm just on my way home. You know, never saw it. Never, I'm, but I never, I'm like, I've been physically in Dubai, but I never actually saw Dubai. Like, this mm-hmm. is crazy. Anyways, on the flight back from Dubai to uh, New York City, and <sighs> going about my flight, mm-hmm. um, at some point this was middle of the night because we were all like everybody was asleep i had face mask on i was like asleep and the person uh there were there were people next to me and i hear like i wake up i'm like in a daze and i wake up and i hear this just like scream and i think it's the guy i thought it was the guy next to me because i have earplugs in so like i i didn't hear it like really loud so i thought it was the guy next to me um and I, I like smile or laugh because I think that he's having like a night terror or something mm-hmm. like, you know, th- he's having a nightmare. Well, I lift my mask and I, I turn behind me and this older Indian guy. And the reason I mentioned that there's a lot of Indian uh, because uh, none of because we're not on a, um, a like a fly India flight, like none of the flight attendants mm-hmm. spoke their language. Yeah. And so. um the the guy so all of a sudden the guy behind me he screams and i turn you know after i realize it's not the guy next to me having a a night terror Uh um i turn around and the guy behind me is having a full-on seizure Mm. he's like thrashing and this uh um person that was near there um was a emergency room nurse or emergency room tech or something anyway mm-hmm. she she works in in the er um and so like she like runs over um and she's like you know protect his head like lay him down and yeah. so like th- isn't it amazing how there's always just like somebody who knows what's going <laughs> yeah. on and like that's kind of cool like when you think about it i mean obviously the likelihood i think of a doctor of some sort being on an international flight is mm-hmm. kind of high because yeah you know doctors go places yeah <laughs> but like just the fact that like there's just always somebody around who's familiar with medical mm-hmm. that's kind of funny um and so like lays him down 
and um, there's like she's like grab the there's a guy over there and she's like grab the like you know the little flight pill- mm-hmm. pillows and like wrap his head like hold his like keep him from doing anything um, so he's like full on like seizure um, just thrashing and now the whole plane is up obviously yeah um, everybody's looking so they get him he stops seizing and they like are talking to him and like trying to get him like you know to you know, talk and like mm-hmm. ask him like, okay, like, do you know where you're at? Like, do you know what year it is? Like, mm-hmm. do you know any, like trying to like figure this guy out? Um, well, his wife is with him, but his wife is like full on, like can't talk dementia. Mm. And so like the nurse at first, whenever he was seizing, she was like, ma'am, do you mind like getting up so we can like take care of this guy? And she yeah. just like looks and the, one of the flight attendants was like, she can't, like she was brought on with a wheelchair. Like she is not, yeah capable of even really understanding um and so she's just like i look over it's probably terrifying right and she's not being able to express whatever is going on in her head and she she's just looking with mouth wide open just like like in complete shock yeah um and like she can't do anything and he's just like seizing and um, so finally he's like, you know, whenever he calms down, they find, they are like asking, do you have medication? Has this happened to you before? And like, he, no, like he can't answer it's, um, in English and nobody's is able to speak his language. And somebody finally comes over, um, that, you know, is, uh, bilingual and it does speak, uh, whatever language he spoke and like was starting to translate. And he was like, okay, this is, yeah, that's, that's their medicine. The nurse starts looking through it. And she was like, I don't see any seizure medication in here. And mm-hmm. then you, she was like, I mean, is this her medication? Is it your medication? And it's probably at at least an hour of, like, talking to him and trying to figure out, like, whose medication is this? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, they, there were tons of medication. Right, and you can't just, like, give him right. medication in hopes that it's... Right. Um, yeah. And so the nurse, like, she found that there were a few different types of uh, heart medication mm-hmm. in there. And she was like, okay, I'm, I'm pretty sure that because through talking through like getting little bits of information of him talking, um, she was able to, through the translator decipher that like, he does take medication for heart stuff in the morning. And she's like, okay, so what happened is this is a over 12 hour flight. Like this is overnight, like over 12 hours. Um, and so, uh, he has this morning medication that he didn't know when to take the morning right. medication. So he didn't take because it. Because it's technically the middle of the night, right. but it's the morning where he's from right. and, you know. And so he didn't take it. So she, she was pretty sure that he just missed taking his scheduled medication and it sent him into a seizure. You know, plus, you know, the airplanes, everything right. to do with that. And then <laughs> he had multiple types of, of heart medication. She's like, I don't want to give him one that he hasn't been taking. Like, I need to give him the one that he actually has been taking. And she's, like, asking him, like, you know, which one of these is it? He can't tell her. And then finally, after a while, he comes to enough where he, like, is able to, like, decipher that he takes one of, you know. Mm -hmm. They they guess, educated guess of which one he takes. So she gives it to him, you know, whatever. Anyways, she goes back to her seat. We kind of, like, I am... Far You're from awake far now. from being able to far, fall back asleep now, like I, yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, let's watch another movie. Um, <laughs> you know, I start a movie, and like halfway through or something, I don't know. It was like a couple hours later. I hear 
him scream again. And he goes into another seizure. Man. Um, and so he's like seizing. And I like, I like look up at the girl who helped him the first time. And I'm like waving her over. Like it's happening again. And so like they come over. Basically the whole thing just repeat. Yeah. Um, and it's, they like, you know, this time since it was like the second time that he had had a seizure. Um, basically, oh, yeah. there's not really any point of telling all of this information that happened on the plane. The point is. This just like kept happening. All I mean, all this like stuff, you know. Other than other than the two seizures, it's like now all these people are trying to help, trying to figure it out. People are calling people's sons off mm-hmm. of the plane, and like all they're trying to figure out medication. There is people calling the you know the, the, the people on the ground to make sure the EMTs on on standby and all this stuff. Um, so no chance of me falling asleep again. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like sitting there, and anyway, he doesn't seize again, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and then we land. They told, you know, everybody around knew this was happening. And they said, okay, whenever we land, EMT is going to have to come onto the plane. Yeah. And, you know, get, get this guy who you just witnessed have two seizures. <clears throat> yeah. Little important. Yeah. Don't get up. Um, well, as soon as we land, people start getting up and, like, getting all their stuff. And they're like, please return to your seats. Also, the, uh, this, I should have mentioned this earlier. The So, uh, you know how there's some people who... They're they're the the neck craners, um, mm-hmm. and just yeah, just like <laughs> looking like can't. Stop. So there was this one lady, the lady that was like two rows in front of me, like she, like full like would stand up, like she would turn around completely in her seat, um, like stand up, put her like sit on her knees and like looking like at everything that's going on, and then she actually got up and like walked up and like to see. Um, and then there was this other guy. He kept walking around and like looking and stuff. And they kept tapping and said, please return to your seat, sir. Please return to your seat. And like kept both of these people kept like just get, like looking, craning their necks, like trying to figure out what's going on, getting up, walking up. Like they had no, they weren't trying to help. Right. Just trying to witness, trying and to watch. And it's like, I mean, yes, every person is nosy. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, obviously I want to like look. Of course you want to know what's going yeah. on. But like you're doing a lot of damage. Yeah. Let's help this guy seizing by not being in the way of yeah. the medical staff. <laughs> um, so we though I mentioned that because those two people specifically, of course, got up. Oh my god! As soon as the plane, they're like in the way, and they keep telling him like, "You need to sit back." To, like we we're coming through. So all that happens, anyways. They do actually get him off the plane. They take him, and like and then we all get up and we go out, and we're waiting on our bags. Bag carousels going. I'm waiting, sitting there waiting on my bag. And while I'm waiting, I hear that scream that I'd heard twice before that night. And I look over and he they're waiting on his bag to come down. He's sitting in a wheelchair and he fully seizes again. Man. And it's like, could I mean, could you not like expedite the process of like Or at least just like obviously they have his information. They could find his bag and like Right. I mean but the like, bag is not important at this time. You just seized twice on an right. airplane, like Get him to the hospital. Yeah. It like, I don't, I mean, I don't know what was happening, but they like, didn't like, he still had to get his bag, go through customs and like do all that type of stuff. Like, cause he was an American citizen. So it's yeah. not like they, you know. That's such an interesting um, point. Like if there is like medical situation on an airplane, first of all, that's terrifying because you literally have no options. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have like a fully 
capable hospital on the airplane, right? (laughs) And you're just lucky there was a nurse there who could, like, make out what medication was what, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, that isn't... I don't know. And then, like, to get off the plane and still have to go through an entire process, even though you've just had two seizures on an airplane, feels a little insensitive. Like, hey, let's, you know... I don't know. I don't think the answer is necessarily let's make a hospital wing right here yeah. in the airport. But like, there needs to be something. I mean, I feel like if if there if he was like in the middle of a heart attack or like you know j- you know if it was something. I know, but seizures are a big deal. They are. But I think I think that if it was like if he was in a life threatening situation, they would like uh, you know into the ambulance straight to the hospital. Like I I feel I don't think yeah. they would be like sorry. Like you're gonna have know, to go through customs. Like we we need to know who's like so in our country. Things. Like I think they would take him straight to the hospital, and like have like a, a some sort of like you right. know, police Obviously. officer with like stand with him you right. know, the whole Which time or fine. something. But like, but seizures are. I mean, they can be life threatening. Like there, there's so many yeah. things that a seizure is indicative of. Yeah. I feel like. I mean, I yeah, I I agree, and I feel like he shouldn't have been made to wait. Just sitting there especially for his bag. with a wife who can't communicate about, right now like, there's two people in wheelchairs exactly that, like like a wife who can't communicate what's going on with him he can't communicate what her issues are like they'll just get them to the hospital yeah call their son <laughs> you know like let's help these people out a little mm-hmm. bit that's insane it, it was it was oh crazy and like just it's just like that was one i mean not one plane but one trip I mean, like, only three flights. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy stuff to happen to a person on a, on every flight, yeah. basically. Although, one uh, other awesome flight was our flight from Zimbabwe to Cape Town. We basically got a private jet because, like, there were so few people on the plane. Yeah. Like, Josh and I took our own rows to ourselves. Like, we didn't even sit next to each other. We took our own rows, and the, the like, two or three rows in front of us and behind us were completely empty. We were just, like, chilling. Like, <laughs> Those yeah. are always the best yeah. <laughs> Like, we paid, uh, it was, like, $200, like, to be on this plane that essentially is, like, our private jet. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the flight, uh, stories yeah <laughs> a lot of crazy, crazy things happen yeah so um don't really have time to go on and talk about uh cape town maybe we can talk about that you know later um, yeah. at some point but yeah that's uh some some, some some story time <laughs> uh, from from africa and, and some crazy plane stories because uh you, you want something else crazy to think about uh or just for uh just some a fact about sarah and i that is uh, funny. Mm-hmm. Not only have we not been apart, you know, for 14 years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we took our very first plane ride yep. together. Yep. We went out of the, and on that plane ride, went out of the, went out of the United States for the first time yeah. together. And it was seven flights in six days. Yeah. We like never had been on a plane until, was I 15? Mm-hmm. And then, so like 15, first flight ever, you were 16, mm-hmm. and we went on seven flights in, in six days. <laughs> yeah. And we did all of that together. So our first flight, our first international flight, our first time out of the country, all that was done together. Mm-hmm. And then up until last year, 
every single plane that we had been on in our lifetime had we had been on together. Yeah. Until just last year or two years ago, like you went on on a trip with um a year ago I I went to LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um But 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 uh, so twenty seven. Up until I was twenty seven, every single one of our flights were together. Wasn't the Vegas one first? Oh yeah. I I forget that I went to Vegas because Vegas sucks. <laughs> it's just like a thing that I yeah. I just like. But that meh. was like the same year or. That was in that was in October 2016. Yeah, that one. That's what I'm talking about because 2017 is whenever you went to L.A. So like yeah. but up until 2016 when you were 26 years old or mm-hmm. whatever, we had been on every single plane together, together until just two years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. So a lot of life history. Um, a lot of time we have spent together. Uh Actually, one quick last story. I was listening to a podcast and they were, uh, this daughter was talking about her parents and uh, she was talking about how they were like us and like spent their entire life together. Mm -hmm. And they loved each other so much and they, they, like they would say things to each other. You know, they're like in their 70s or whatever and like say, you know, sweet things and whatever. And and their kids are like, okay, we get it. Like, you know. You love each other. Stop. (laughs) And she's like, but they they spent so much time together. They were at home together. They actually worked, you know, together. Mm, yeah. And then they came home together. Everything. And she said, but still, her mom would sometimes, um, you know, her mom sometimes would say, um, I just I just feel like I haven't seen your father in so long. Um, or something like that. And, she, and they're like, he's in the other room. Mom, he's literally in the other room. Like. What are you talking about? She's like, I just, I don't know. I just, I just miss him. I feel like I haven't seen him in a bit. Like, <laughs> that is and, never going to be. No, I, when I was listening to that, I was like, that's, that's going to be Sarah and I when we're 70 years old. Like, because <laughs> we spend so much time together and we haven't been apart like hardly ever. No. They, they, by the time we're 70, we're, we're not going to know what to do with ourselves. We're just going to be like, what, what's happening? It's like, oh, I just, I had a big poop. I had like, it was gone Ew. for 20 minutes. <laughs> like, I just missed you. <laughs> I feel the opposite though. We were actually talking about this with one of our friends a couple years ago. Um, we're kind of weird sometimes and have these conversations of like, oh, what if you die? Or what if I die? Mm-hmm. What would you do? Who would you be with if you weren't with me? It's healthy. It's fine. Um, but we were having one of those conversations and I said um, that I think you would probably grieve for a decent amount of time, but you would, like, find somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, you would get remarried. Uh, I feel like pretty quick. I have no idea. I Like, within a couple years. Like, I think it I depends feel on like... how old I was. Like, if something happened within the next no, decade, was, no, then we, yeah. But... We were talking about, like, young, oh, like, yeah. now. Yeah, if it was, like, an accident, like, and something yeah. happened in the next, like, decade. Right. Yeah, I definitely. I, I, w- I would see myself... I mean, remarrying, you know, within a few years. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was saying. And then, um, I think you and our friend both were like, I think you'd like, Sarah, I think you would like take some time to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) like I've been married since I'm 18. I think I'm going to take my single twenties right now. (laughs) Yeah. My 30 to 60 is going to be for me. (laughs) And then I'm going to find an old guy in a retirement home and we'll just... Who's rich and yeah. I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. It'll be fine. That's what I think my life would go like. I am I love being married and I love being married to you, but I just am not a person who needs another person. Right. You know? 
But you probably would get remarried because all the guys would be after you once they know you're single. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you're at some point you're like, I mean, really, I'm spending more time telling these guys no. It's so annoying having to turn everybody down. Yeah. I mean, just because luckily I I locked you down, like basically pre-puberty before people realized, you know, how amazing you were. Before I even had a chance to spread my wings. Right. Spread your legs and fly away. Okay, no. (laughs) Dang it. That seems like a good place to end it. So, um... (laughs) Thank you guys for listening to uh, Deeply Curious. Um, just a reminder that Deeply Curious is sponsored mm-hmm. by Hint Water. You can check out Hint and maybe even join their subscription program. Get water sent straight right to your house That's by going to hint.co slash Deeply Curious. Also check out our merch, which you can get with the Deeply Curious logo or actually hand Drew Deeply Curious uh, and put it on a shirt as well. Cody's own writing. That's right. Um, you can carry my handwriting right on, right on your heart. <laughs> Check that out by going to shop.codyjensen.com. Thank you guys for uh, listening. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.